Have you heard about the guys over at Chinook Seedery? They are the only sunflower seed company that has taken the time to connect with college athletes and trying to help them build their brand. They have eight flavors from mild to wild with way less salt and no sandpaper tone. So check them out today over at ChinookSeedery.com. Yo, what is up, everybody? You know what time it is. It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my partner in crime, my brother from another mother, Jim Cross. Jim, we got episode 31 titled Power at the Plate, because tonight we get to talk South Carolina baseball with their star, Gavin Casas. He's going to talk to us about his story. He's going to talk to us about last season, and most importantly, we're going to get into this season. And we're going to talk about the fall. We're going to talk about the spring expectations. We're going to talk about it all. I'm ready to have some fun. I'm ready to get his story, ready to grow the game, as we say here. So help me welcome onto the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week, our friend, South Carolina baseball star, Gavin Casas. Gavin, brother. Man, got the hair flow, looking clean. How are we doing tonight? I'm doing good, man. I'm excited here in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, healthy, happy. Um, recent fan of the show. I got to watch a few podcasts just to brief myself a little bit on how it worked. But um, no, excited to be here. And it's an honor, really. Thank you. He might be the first guest, Daniel, to say it on air. We've had him tell us, but actually, you know, admit that, that he smartly watched the show so he knows what he's coming into. That means he's going to be prepared for this or that. I like catching people off guard. Oh, man. Well, with he that, was like, he, he was like, let me let me check on these clowns. Let me see who these dudes are. I mean, I would. I'm not going to really, I'm going to be honest, I'm not going to sign up to go on any show, but what helps our credibility is obviously his teammates have been on there, so you know, if, if, you know, Ethan and Roman and those guys have done it, then, but, you know, before we get into your story and talk, you know, all things South Carolina, we got to break the ice and, you know, we're going to start with baseball, MLB playoffs, the world series is set. We got the Rangers against the Diamondbacks. Have you been able to watch, uh, you know, up until this point? I have been able to watch. I've watched pretty much every single inning and they were all great series and, I'm really liking the the kind of underdog feeling in the World Series. Yeah, so let's let's talk about that. Me and Daniel, we after we have the guests, we break down pro sports and gives us an opportunity to talk to them. And I remember when Arizona was making the push for the postseason, me and Daniel broke out Arizona's roster, and we found only three names that we really knew. And it really speaks to what Arizona's doing, to your point on the underdog story, because we're not like you're just casual baseball fans. We're we're big baseball fans. And so the fact that there's no big names on that roster, nobody that you really notice, you know, you look across the way at the Phillies, right? You got guys for days. Um, it's not that way with, with Arizona. And I think that's very intriguing. And, you know, some people want those big names, but I think a guy like you, for instance, you know, big time baseball player loves baseball. You want to see that underdog. You want to see the grinders. You want to see the guys who are looking for that respect. So with that, you know, do you have Arizona winning this against, you know, Texas, who was coming in expectations-wise? They weren't supposed to be this good either, but they at least from the start of the season were really, really good, and people kind of noticed that they had a possibility. No, absolutely no. I'm definitely going for Arizona. Um, I mean, it can't go wrong with the other side. There's both – there's two Gamecocks, one on each side. So, no, we're happy about that. But, no, we're going with Arizona. 
Um, Christian Walker, obviously, uh, got to work with him a little bit right before he left for spring trainings. And uh, now I'm grateful for the time he spent with me. And yeah, I'll be going for Arizona. Yeah, that, that'll be one of those cool stories that you'll be able to talk about for sure. I mean, working with a, a world champion, and you know, you Texas has never won a world series. Have they really not? No, I can't. I couldn't I believe the Josh Hamilton era. Nope. No. Um, but I will tell you this about those two teams, Daniel. I did see the stat graphic today. Two years ago, both those teams had over 100 losses. You want to talk about a turnaround. So, shout out to their GMs. That's what happens when Evan Longoria joins your team. You become a contender. Did he get a – he got a title in Tampa, didn't he? No. Did Tampa – Did Tampa they win the seven? No, they never won it. Oh, that will, man, we don't know who won anymore. Golly. Man, Houston, Houston, won, the, Houston won some for sure. We know that because we try to root against him because he cheated. That's why we were happy with Texas winning. But moving on, you know, Gavin, say you had your own talk show. Don't got to be a sports show. It can be, you know, your own talk show, and you can have any celebrity guest. Still may be an athlete, but who is your guest that you would have on? You know, I've been watching a lot of the – Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey podcast, the uh, Cleveland Heights. Mm-hmm. That was actually a really good podcast. Um, no, but I would probably try to do it with my brother. Um, I feel like we could bring some insight on the game and obviously not everything, but I think it would be an interesting conversation for sure. You can bring your brother on to host with you, and then you can have the Kelsey brothers, and then you you got four people. It's just be takeover. Yep. Yeah, no, those guys are coming in still in our viewership, man. How are we supposed to compete with the Kelseys, Daniel? Uh, we don't, um, unless <laughs> Taylor Swift is dating you or me, which which we're married, so that's got to be. It. I mean, yeah, but we're also forty too, so <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that hurts too. Well, speaking of Taylor Swift, and I'm not saying this is your crush, but I'm just thinking of uh popular people. You know, who was your celebrity crush growing up? Huh. So I saw this question and uh, I asked my girlfriend, I was like, I was like, oh, who should I say? Like, just to throw him off a little bit. No, but uh, I'll romanticize baseball. Uh, out of respect to her, but I'll romant- romanticize baseball and I'll go. Uh, my favorite player was Joey Votto. Um, he... He's honestly like an icon in Cincy now. And, you know, that's kind of what you always want to be. You kind of, he got the ovation. Everybody thought it was going to be his last year, but um, now he wants to come back, I guess. And I'm excited for it. So, um, Daniel, he bypassed. with your girlfriend? Yeah, I was going to say, Daniel, he pretty, bypassed, pretty, he pretty bypassed short the crush question to go to the athlete question. This dude. Well, I just, I just, I find it funny, like, if you were to ask my wife, and I've been with her for a really long time, Gavin, she would immediately tell you. Like, she would have no no hesitation. Like, she would just come out with an answer and wouldn't even care about my feelings. Yeah, so, my wife would tell you it's Scarlett Johansson all day. Right I, can, I can respect you, man. Being a stand-up dude, that's, that's good stuff, man. I actually took that as, you know, Joey Votto was his crush. That's where I – that's where I – Kind of felt that win, you know. He's got a man crush. So, yeah, I was gonna say, I'm just gonna let you take over. I'm just gonna let you take into his story. Now, he he studied so much that he played me on my icebreaker. Daniel, I don't even know what to do anymore. He got you. He he like 
he won up you, man. He... Um, back to the drawing board. All right, welcome to the show. We got a new guest, Gavin Casas, joining us. He he's taking over Jim's spot. He's he knows the questions. He's gonna start asking them, man. Well, no, go ahead and get Gavin, the story. I, I can't tell that part. So go ahead and do that. Yeah. So let's get to it, man. Talk, tell me a little bit about hometown. Where are you from? Yeah. So born and raised in Pembroke Pines, Florida. Oh, uh, Pembroke Pines. Let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, for those who know, it's like right in between Fort Lauderdale and Miami. Uh, um, trust me, I, I know, I know. Let me tell you a story about Pembroke Pines. My first baseball coaching job was at MacArthur High School. Really? Yeah, and I know you know where that's at, right? I do, absolutely. Right there in Hollywood. We're not too far from Pembroke Pines. We actually had guys that lived in Pembroke Pines that went there. So Yeah, I yeah. think, when, uh, I mean, how long, how long ago did you coach there? That was back in 2006, seven, eight. Uh, no. Yeah, so yeah it's, no, it's, been, say, it's been a hot minute. Yeah, because around the time I was in middle school, it kind of changed to where you can kind of go to whatever school you want instead of being district for each school. So it, it changed a little bit. But no, that's, that's awesome. I mean, I, there's not many people that I know from outside of Pines that are from Pines mm. or not from Pines, but even like know it. It's a small world, man. Believe it or not, it's a small world. Things come full circle. So Pembroke Pines, tell me about, you know, home life. You got mom, dad. Obviously, you mentioned, bro you know, older brother um, who plays for the Red Sox. Um, but who who do you live with? Mom, dad, brother, anybody else? So my mom passed when I was eight years old. Um, so it's my dad, uh, my stepmom and my brother. So what, all right, so to, to get into this and take me as far as you, you feel comfortable taking, all right, N neither one of us, Jim or I, have had that, that experience, thankfully, but when you go through something like that and you, you said you were eight, right? Eight years old, yeah. What does that do for your mindset, like, moving forward? Obviously, your mom's a staple in your life, and then one day she's there and the next day she's not. Um, what does that mean moving forward? Does that change how you carry your day to day? Does that, or were you too young to like kind of really process it and you waited till later to process that? Take me through like the psyche of like trying to like compartmentalize that situation. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's something I've always been trying to answer for myself. Um, when it happened, uh, she was my best friend. I mean, I was definitely what you can call a mama's boy. Um, and it was July 4th, 2009. Um, my brother and I went to the Keys with our aunt and uncle to go shoot or fireworks or something, see the fireworks in the water. And then uh, basically I remember being sat down on the couch and being told that, you know, she passed and um, you know, it was, it was hard. Um, it still is. I mean, I still think about her day to day. Um, but you know, it's something you live with and you, I, you kind of take it how, however you want to take it. Um, for me, I try to take the positive out of it. So I can, I feel like I can empathize with people, um, especially in like those types of scenarios. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's something that's a part of your life and, you know, you find a new normal. 
Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. All right. So when something like this happens to people, they always say, you know, I know that they're with me and they can't explain the feeling, but they just know. Is that something that you, you experience? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I experienced that. Um, you know, all I hope is that, you know, wherever she is, she's looking down on me and she's proud of what I've done and what I continue to do and what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. And, you know, I try to live through that. Well, brother, if you, I have no doubt in my mind and, and we're going to get into accolades. We're going to get into just your story and, and your success so far. Daniel, uh, what I'll say right here is, you know, based upon what we've got, whether we've watched him on um, playing baseball or, you know, reading those accolades you're talking about. Um, one of the things people, when it comes to tragedy in their life, um, you have two kinds of people, right? They use that as an excuse on why they don't succeed in life, or you do something like Gavin and you are able to push through and thrive in life. And, you know, as we get into a story, that's already what we know, right? Because, you know, you know exactly the kind of people I'm talking about. Well, you know, the reason I'm this, this, and this is because, well, you don't understand. I lost my mom when I was young. Gavin doesn't do that. And that he's already my kind of guy. Yeah. Just keeps on pressing on, man. And that that's that's awesome to hear. Um, obviously, you know, it's it's terrible that something like that happened and you had to experience it, but it's good that you can be at peace with it and kind of move forward and, and do your thing without forgetting um, the importance that your mom had. Um, but tell me a little bit about baseball. Obviously, you know, South Florida guy, you're you have the ability to play year round, but did you play any other sports? No, nah, man. Uh, since the time I was four years old, it's always been baseball. I think actually our first sport, my brother and I's first sport was like soccer. So like, I think my dad wanted to give us some more coordination and be able to use our legs and stuff. But no, for the most part, it's been baseball. Uh, I think we, I, I don't know if my brother and I like wanted to play football one year, but my dad was not going for that. Um, because he knew you you guys were future major league baseball players i mean yeah no one's his, already his there and the next you you aren't too far behind him man that's that's he's got to protect Daniel, all all protect these cats played soccer in the beginning it's i know it's universal, man. But that's how I, that's how i ended up one when you're four or five years old your parents want to find something for you do they sign you up for soccer see no, yeah. absolutely. it's like a younger well, sport too kind of like contact but it's like a little bit of contact so it's kind of fun so. Daniel doesn't like soccer because there's ties, but interestingly enough, as I told him recently, you know, as opposed from the, the fact that there were NFL ties this past year, um, the fall world series between Arkansas ended in a tie on the baseball diamond, which I'm sure he's lost sleep over since I told him. Yeah, I uh, definitely like I tossed and turned every night. DBH should be fired. DBH just wants to let his guys tie. I mean, Put a jugs machine. I already told. Put a jugs machine out there and just finish the damn thing. Like if you're afraid, wait, wait, of was it tied? Was yeah. it tied because like throw pitching or was it tied? Yeah, he like didn't want to throw. He didn't want to throw his pitchers anymore. It was tied at nine, and he didn't go to extras because he didn't want to use his pitchers and have them throw any more than they did. You know what's interesting is that that I think that same thing might have happened at Vanderbilt. My sophomore. I was gonna. Year. I was just about to say that seems like a Tim Corbin. Type <laughs> of yeah. No. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Kevin happened. O'Sullivan is probably on that same better, same page know. too. You know. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Are you okay with ending in a tie ever, Gavin? There's got to be a winner, right? You, there's got to be a winner. The thing, like, I I tell my girlfriend because she plays soccer, and she wants me to go to her games, and I'm like, dude, you guys, you guys literally are like zero zero for the full time. <laughs> Here, here's what is what is simply amazing to me, Gavin, with soccer is that. These dudes are world-class athletes and can run for days and they prep and they like work their ass off to be in shape and condition to play 90 minutes back and forth nonstop to tie. Yeah, no, it's great. I'd, I'd rather lose. I, I do want to not gloss over something though, Daniel, because he said his girlfriend plays soccer. Um, if you I haven't been there, but I've watched South Carolina on TV, Daniel. Dude, their soccer stadium and they got light shut. Like their crowd gets into it. Like I don't know if they're how high ranked they are. I know I watched them in North Carolina play in a top ten showdown. And dude, for a soccer atmosphere, Daniel, it was electric. This is this no. Is I, I, I gotta correct you for a second. I gotta correct you for a second. She plays for Vanderbilt, but oh, no, the soccer terrible. <laughs> yeah, no, the soccer the soccer here is incredible. No, I went. Bandy actually came to Carolina this year and actually went to the game. And like, I'd never go to soccer games because I have like no reason to. But um, yeah, no, the game was the game was unreal. Like, I was actually had fun. It was crazy. Man, I, this is what I tell all of our guests, and you can tell her this: you don't want to know her anymore unless she goes out there looking to get yellow cards. <laughs> that's it. That's that's the aggression that I want. Like I just I just want you to go out there and just get after it. Don't worry about the referees, just go ham all all game. Get a yellow card. Try. Jim's daughter, I tell her that all the time. Like oh, you she, told her red cards is the only way now. <laughs> yellow cards are easy money, just, bro. Which is just silly, but um, but yeah, um, you know, soccer, the athletes are amazing. Like you you gotta be in such good shape, but the end of the tie, it, it bothers me. Um, but getting back to you and baseball, you said, you know, you started playing at four, your brother's older. He's obviously, you know, playing with the Red Sox now. And my question is, is the age difference, were you guys like competing against each other when you were young or was there too much of an age gap where he was kind of on a different level and you were just kind of tagging around, tagging along? No, that's a great question. Um, no, my brother and I are a year and four months apart, so not too much age difference, uh, especially when you're young, uh, like six through 10, maybe. Um, I remember playing playing up with him in Cooperstown uh, for the 10U tournament, and I was seven years old, and I was like this close away from like hitting the, or being the youngest kid to ever hit a home run at Cooperstown, but it was foul. And yeah, it's just a story now, but pretty cool story for me. I mean, that's, that's amazing. So let me ask you this. We've had guys similar with older brothers, like in similar age gaps uh, as you and your brother. And they say that having an older sibling and being able to compete, but also they've had similar experiences where they've played up with them. Do you think having those experiences made you a better player or did it put more pressure on you to kind of keep up and try to excel at that level? 
No, absolutely. Um, I think playing up was great for me. Uh, it introduced me to a, a lot of new people, a lot of older guys. I have like a bunch of older brothers now. Um, and it, it was just really a great situation for me because you get challenged every single day just because, you know, you're, you're smaller. Obviously, that as you're younger, like that's the there's a bigger differential between kids. And, you know, I was like, I was smaller, so it was a little harder for me. And I, I was a little underrated a little bit, but, you know, I thought I could hang and playing with older guys really, really helped. Yeah. I mean, if, if anything, you, you have to be, you, you get thrown into the fire, so to speak, and you're forced to kind of ratchet up your game. Um, so getting back, to high school um obviously pembroke pines where you grew up what high school did you go to american heritage american heritage jim sure. let me tell you about american heritage i feel like we've had a guest that played at american heritage before am i wrong mm, it was softball player played at american heritage mm. um i can't remember but anyhow american heritage a lot of, a lot of tradition, a lot of success. Um, who is the most famous American heritage baseball player, Gavin? I got to go with Eric Hosmer, World Series MVP, All-Star Game MVP, or I think he's like a five-time Gold Glover now. Um, I don't know. Probably one of the best players. When I was coaching, he was, he was doing his thing and probably one of the best players I've ever seen at the high school level. Like, just... I yeah, know. It, it, it was interesting. It kind of came full circle because... Eric, Eric treats us nice. He treats my brother and I nice. Um, he's always, he was always around heritage. Um, so we got, we got to interact a bunch and to see him get called up with my brother was cool because they, I guess he was like a mentor role for him, but your brother's on the, on the notable alumni list. I'm going to, I'm going to email somebody though. Well, I want to know why you're not on here yet. (laughs) Come on, killing it at South Carolina. Put him on the list. I haven't done anything yet. He he hasn't he hasn't got the ballot. He's not eligible yet. You got to be out of college to be eligible. But he's a first ballot Hall of Famer for American Heritage, guarantee. You watch. I, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you this, Daniel, just because it's relevant. Because we play fantasy football together. I got killed by Khalil Herbert the other day in fantasy. Dude had like three touchdowns. He's a bum. Anyway, he came from American Heritage. Just an FYI for you. Was that Khalil Herbert? You said. Yeah. I'm only calling him a bum because he scored against me. I'm not actually saying he's a bum. I'm just mad he's beating me. So, Gavin, you were the nation's fifth-ranked first baseman by perfect game. You were Florida's top-ranked first baseman and 45th-rated overall prospect. In 2020, you were perfect game preseason All-American. 2019, perfect game preseason underclass All-American. Uh, you hit for f- you 500 average, five doubles, three homers, eight RBIs on a shortened season, senior season. You had 13 doubles, four round trippers as a junior, two-time first-team All-America, two, two-time 6A-15 All-District, four-year honor roll member. When you look back and you listen to those accolades, what does that mean to you? You know, it's really funny because I've never heard that before. I've never heard of any of those accolades. Um, That there was more, but those were the, like, we don't have, I literally shortened it. You don't have a a whole episode (laughs) to just read off your accolades, but I made sure to put honor roll four times in there because we got (laughs) to get it done. Yes. (laughs) No, but um, no, I mean, it, it sounds great, but I, 
that's all great, but that's not what I'm aiming for. It's uh, but it's a good step in the right direction. I'll say that. Hundred um, percent. You know, when you when we have guys on here, and I'll I'll be honest, like some of them have accolades, some of them don't, but they all are very much aware like those things that they accomplished were big reasons why they are where they are. And so to hear you kind of, you know, validate that, you know, just goes to what, you know, all these guys say, like, you know, it doesn't mean that that much, except it's just proving how hard I work to get to where I am. And, you know, being that, you know, we're true believers in that grind and the process, it's good to see guys work their ass off and they get success from it. So, um, when we read it, it's impressive. So I don't, I don't want you to, to don't be the humble guy. Like those are big deals. Like you, you work your ass off for that. So you should be proud of that. Um, but when did colleges start pursuing you? Um, because obviously when I look at those types of, of accolades, I think, well, hell colleges were after Gavin when he was in like sixth grade, like, like what's up. So at what point do colleges start, start, um, talking to you yeah so i want to say so it was around that time where you kind of make your top lists and my dad asked me he's like where do you want to go like i was like then i started doing research and my number one and the only school i ever wanted to go to was vanderbilt so i didn't take any other calls from any other schools and i waited for vanderbilt to reach out and they did and we agreed on it and i went so there were no other schools none no it was just andy and you were like yep let's go that was a that's a shame that's a shame we you know i mean like we're not bandy fans on here i just i'm gonna put that out there i'm so glad that you went elsewhere which we'll get into neither of us <laughs> are smart enough to get into Vanderbilt. So there's there's I'm that. I'm not smart enough to get into LSU who's ranked 168. I mean that's that's on you, bro. Like if you can't get into LSU. You you were in my English class senior year. I was asleep. Yeah, you were in two English classes your senior year. Big facts. <laughs> Gavin, we'll expose it to the whole world. That's a story for everybody to take 10 seconds. I passed 10th grade English and then it came back around that I did not attend enough classes therefore they said that i didn't pass it and i had to go back and do that semester where i missed more than half classroom time so i would leave 12th grade english and go up the stairs from second period to third period and go to 10th grade english this ain't even a lie gavin true story and he thought he was he thought he was somebody up in that 10th grade english class too man i mean i was oh debatable i I at least stayed awake in that class so Let's get back to, to Vandy. Um, before I let Jim hop in and talk talk about Vandy, obviously you said that was the only school. What was it about Vanderbilt? Was it just the prestige and the a- academic prowess? Um, or was it the baseball part? Because they were a juggernaut. They've been a juggernaut for a while. What was it about Vandy where you're like, that's my only school, That's that's it? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, so just even looking it up, 
it was after 2014 when they won and it was Dansby was a cover of everything number one pick and then the Vandy boys like slogan got like released or whatever that that all started happening and you kind of fall into the hype I mean it's an attractive school you're in Nashville Tennessee um I take my academics very seriously and I thought that school would suit me um and I wanted to be coached by Tim Corbin and I wanted to do the whole Vandy Boy experience I wanted to be there uh, I wanted to win a natty and that's that's really what what attracted me do you like whistling <laughs> god. oh my god <laughs> no okay so yeah neither do i let's let's leave it at that but he doesn't whistle while he's pit or, or while they're uh they're pitching but so. now gavin gets to experience that and it's probably the worst thing ever so now you know i'm just saying this doesn't happen while he's at bat so like no no it's it's funny because uh you we've or i've met that guy like i've actually met that guy he's like a huge fan and i'm honestly like he's one of the best fans there like i'm not like ragging on him all at all like he is a loyal vanderbilt fan um to the heart um but yeah i mean i wasn't a fan of the whistling really so let me ask you one more question before jim hops in here um not that it matters because i don't i honestly don't think it's gonna matter but you said you took you take a academics very seriously what are you studying like what what would be the backup plan for gavin like what, what um so that all that it got a little dicey after i left vandy oh this um, gonna be good i like when people go start with this is a little dicey yeah no it at vanderbilt i was a human and organizational development major um that's that basically, what does that mean yeah that's <laughs> basically like a business degree from vanderbilt without saying business on it um that's like the best way i can describe that's it that's such a vanderbilt <laughs> thing like we're gonna make this sound way better than what it is it's just business it teaches, yeah it, it teaches you a lot of people skills um a lot about groups and group work and stuff like that but no after i transferred so vandy is a private school and when you transfer from a private to a public school the curriculum's a little a them, little different them credits them credits don't transfer away way they credits don't credits don't credit and no. i in order to be eligible for the ncaa you have to have a certain uh progress toward degree at a certain year so i was a junior so i think i had to be like i think what is it, like 60 percent done with the or toward my degree um so we basically had to figure out where we could put credits and what major worked for what i was coming in with and now that is service management and that's what we're rolling with that's service what they're rolling with let me ask you you know, a question. you know you know what's crazy though jim like how on earth can you go to vanderbilt and then transfer and they go you know what those credits they're not good enough they're too good it's like when they tell you you're too good you're overqualified for the job bro 
No, I got I got a question for you, Gavin, for real talk, man. Real real life stuff right here. My daughter is got Vanderbilt in her like final cut for colleges. Um, you know, she's got soccer scholarships in numerous places, but she's considering Vanderbilt and going non-soccer because she doesn't have a soccer there. Um, would you would you be one who would back up, you know, the academics there? Obviously it has a reputation, but I'm talking to somebody who was actually there taking classes. Would you recommend it to someone who actually does value their academics the way you did and the way my daughter does? As a regular student, I would 100% support it. I think that that place is a very good stepping stone for whatever you want to do in life. And they connect you with the right people in order to to set you up, really. Well, she's a, she's a little brainiac. She wants to do neuroscience. So smart schools are where it's at. Yeah, no, for sure. But uh, no, they connect you with the right people and they put you on the right path. And Nashville is such an up and coming area that there's so many opportunities there in order to to make some money. Absolutely. So out the gate, you know, I want to ask you this Saturday, I'm going to Vandy uh, against Wake Forest for an exhibition. You know, just talk to me you know, from when you get there, man, just how nice is Hawkins feel? Like I hear great things about it. Um, obviously, you know, it's smaller attendance wise, but from a facility standpoint, um, extremely nice. No, absolutely. It's, a. Uh, I I think it's, I would probably call it one of the more iconic stadiums in the SEC just cause it's so unique. Um, but yeah, I mean, the field's the field, it's turf. Um, you, it's definitely like a learning curve that you have to get used to as like you start there but I mean it's not that not that crazy but um no the facilities they they really do a good job I, I'm I'll commend them as as much as as they deserve it really they do, do they do a really good job um everything's modern everything's new um but yeah I have no hate toward them it sound sound like you're trying to do your best and not say anything. That means we're gonna get somewhere in a minute. Um, freshman year, you know, limited playing time, um, you know, but there's always opportunities to learn from experiences. We we hear this from guys all the time, and especially a team that makes it to the championship. I was actually there in Omaha. My son is a Mississippi State fan. I was actually sitting right behind home plate for that series. So real cool experience. Obviously, know the talent that was on that Vandy team, but. You know, talk about it. Obviously, like I said, limited limited playing time. But, man, you had to have been able to take in a lot from a team that, you know, makes it that far. No, absolutely. No, it was uh, – I definitely look back at that time, and I, I feel like it's a, a real blessing to be on that team, really. Um, just to be around guys like Kumar and Leiter and uh, learning from Dom Keegan, who was ahead of me. Uh, he ended up being an All-American, so, I mean, there wasn't much opportunity for me there. Uh, but, you know, I was willing to stick out the grind, and I uh, I was willing to wait. And that's, I mean, that's what I was willing to do, honestly. But Yeah, and um, there a little bit more validation when the guy becomes an All-American? Like, you're, like you, you're upset that, you know, you, you're not starting, and then you're like, okay, the, the guy in front of me is that dude. Yeah, no, he was, he, I mean, he was great. He really mentored me. Uh, whatever I needed, he was there, uh, answered any questions. I would kind of describe him similar to me. Well, I'm like more of on the quiet side. So, um, no, it was, it was it was real cool being behind him. So, you know, we, we talk about that. You get that experience. You go into sophomore year. 
you know, played in 22 games with 13 starts, batting 294, home run, three doubles, 14 RBIs. Um, so still, you know, only playing, you know, just over a third of the games. Um, where are we at in that point? Are you grateful for the opportunity of the amount of time you've got to play? Or are we still kind of, all right, I should be playing more than this at this point? Yeah, like here's when it gets a little dicey. So after, right after that Omaha that you were at, I went, I got sent to summer ball, which was in Rhode Island and go up to Rhode Island, play two and a half games. And I mean, I, I don't know if you've been up to the Northeast and like that NACBL, um, like that whole Northeast area, the fields are not it. Mm. Not, I mean, nothing compared to SEC caliber fields, but it's the bags are, the bag I hit was soft. I hit a ground ball, ran it out. I had a really soft bag, really hard, mm. probably way too hard. And I tore my lateral meniscus. So it was a pretty short stint for me in, in Newport, Rhode Island. But um, that that happened my after my freshman year. So um, so yeah, I had a I had to drive back to Nashville and get it fixed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, what was it? Was that rehab process like? What's the timeline on that? So that yeah. Um, so it gets a little foggy, but um, <laughs> had, so I think four days after my knee surgery, I had an appendicitis episode. Mm. So I was basically like in a lot of pain, throwing up, like I couldn't ingest anything. I was like, dude, what is wrong? So end up having to go back to the hospital, which I just came out of because of the surgery. And I was like, geez, like what, what is going on? And they're like, oh, like your appendix about to burst. Like it's no big deal. In like, real, in real time, did you think like maybe you had like an infection from the surgery or something like, cause being four days after you immediately start to like try to figure out how it might correlate with what you just did. No, no, it gets better. So get the appendicitis out or appendix out. Um, they send me home. Then after that, I still have like convulsions. I had, I remember being in the car with, it was my girlfriend and my stepmom, and I started like convulsing like in my passenger seat because I couldn't drive. And we had a pullover, call 911, like emergency, emergency truck had to take me to the emergency room. And we were like, what the heck is going on? Um, they take me, they take me back. They do like blood cultures and like CT scans and they find two blood infections and blood clots in my liver. Um, so, yeah, no, you really that, did that, have that, infection. Yeah, no, it really did two infections. But no, they they brought me in a room and I was there for two weeks. Um, it wasn't a very pleasant time. Uh, it I was almost close to dying. I mean, it was like my white blood cell count was like six times higher than it should be or something. And they said something about like my blood almost turning septic. And then if that happens, then like you're done. But um, that's what I've, yeah, that happened. And then that really impacted the knee because the lateral meniscus surgery, it was only supposed to be like a five week thing, Mm -hmm. like from surgery to like recovered, like five weeks, it was supposed to be like, it's really minor thing. And do then you think, this, 
do you think if you never tore your meniscus and there was never an issue oh and i got this yeah do you think this would have been caught like too late do you ever think about that it would have been bad because i was very new in rhode island and i was very uncomfortable and i had a host like a host family that i did not really know so there was no way i was asking for their help and it would have it would have been it would have been interesting but maybe it was a blessing in disguise that i yeah. tore it and then i drove back down because i mean i had i can't lie like i had really good health health care so well i'm never um, going to rhode island because you came out with <laughs> torminesis and infections and doesn't sound like my kind of place that's that's what i'm saying i'm gonna stay where i'm at no but man you know we talked about the mom thing earlier and now you talk about being close to death um it really speaks to who you are because man you're on this podcast you're smiling um, you're somebody who seems to be happy in life and you've been throwing a lot of obstacles. Right. And so, um, man, it, it really just speaks to to who you are. And so, you know, battling through that, you know, I talk about those games. So did like, were you hurt going into the the season or was it one of those things that you just weren't yourself throughout the season because you dealt with all that stuff? No, it, it was interesting because all that time that I had the appendicitis thing going on, I, I was pretty stagnant. So I wasn't moving. And the rehab process, like you got to move like two days after the operation to like get that mobility back. So no scar tissue builds up. But um, yeah, that really impacted the, because it impacted the rehab time because the the uh, scar tissue was building up in my knee because I was straight. It was just straight legged and I was like more focused on living than rehabbing. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, the 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 knee becomes yeah, (laughs) and after that, like Kingston was probably like, this guy, he's putting his life in front of this knee. Come on, right? No, that was Corbin. It wasn't yeah, Corbin. Corbin, He wasn't there yet. Corbin, Corbin definitely would have been saying that. I'll tell you this, Daniel, as somebody who's had appendicitis and. I was just like him. I remember I was I was throwing up and I was in such pain. And I remember they gave me morphine and they were like, what's your pain level? And I was like, it's still a 10. I don't wish that on nobody. And then the thing about it that I can speak to what you're talking about, you can't do much because it messes your core up and you really find out how much your core means to everything else, right? Because you can't hardly move for crap. Um, and so to your point on rehab and, you know, with your leg, like, no, nah, you ain't getting up and doing anything right after that. No. No, it was interesting because they they had me on an IV and they wouldn't let me eat or drink because like if you do a CT scan, I guess you had to be like pretty clean. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't eat or drink for like I think it was like eight days, but like I was they were pumping me with fluids, so I like blew up like a balloon. <laughs> um, but no, that was not a fun time. All right, so you you go through that, you go back to baseball. Obviously, read off the stats, you know. So the big question that you know we want to know is. How does or how do you end up in the transfer portal and how does it end up being South Carolina that you choose? Uh, yeah, uh, basically, to keep a long story really short, uh, they I was asked to leave um, and, you know, said my piece and will enter the portal. And for me, it, it hurt because, you know, I had such like big dreams and aspirations there at Vanderbilt. And I felt like that was a good place, but ultimately 
I was like very unhappy there. Like I was sold on the dream and then like I was not the same person I am today at Vanderbilt. But I mean, I don't know if that's something that Corb saw and like maybe he was like, dude, you need to get out of here because what was said to me was crazy. But um, maybe that was his way. I don't know. But it, whatever it is, I entered the portal. I wanted to, I felt like I was good enough to play in the SEC. Um, and I wanted to go somewhere where it was warmer. And South Carolina made the most sense. Um, we played here. That's my sophomore year. So that last year, we actually came to Carolina and played them in a series. And I think we were ranked fourth or something. And dude, th this stadium was crazy. And I remember being in the dugout. I remember being in the dugout. I was like, dude, this place is sick. Like I would, I would play here. Yeah. <laughs> like this park is beautiful. Like everything, the grass, it was, it was a real field. So I was like, dude, I miss this. Yeah. Um, well, let me ask you this. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not going to ask what he said. I, we're not one of those podcasts. We're not trying to build a drama, but I do want to know whatever it was that was said, was it something that, you know, made you, you know, kind of tuck your tail between your legs or was it something that motivated you and said, you know what, like this guy is wrong about me. Like I'm, I'm going to go prove otherwise. Ah, uh, I mean, no, it was definitely motivating for sure. He lit a fire under me like no other. And it's, I think it's better to me in the long run. Um, like I said, I mean, I'm a huge believer and everything happens for a reason. Um, and this was honestly a blessing for me in disguise. And I, I, if I had to do it again, I wouldn't change anything. Man, that's, that's crazy. And I'm sure he has many, many nights where he thinks about that conversation now that it's, that's played out the way look that at Mandy's lack of offense last year. He definitely thinks about it. Mm. I ain't trying to talk about Vanderbilt, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you get to Columbia from Nashville, right? What's the reception like from the guys? Um, knowing that you were at Vandy, you coming from a rival school, SEC guy. Was it kind of like let's see what this guy's about or was it, you know, open arms embracing like, man, we're glad this dude's with us now. Yeah. So I was, I was really nervous walking in. I was like, okay, like these guys have no idea who I am. I didn't really play. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm the new guy, but you know, walking around the facility and in the locker room, there was an immediate response of, uh, like feeling wanted or like feeling like accepted by the guys and by everybody. It was, it was pretty cool to feel um, just cause I, you never, I mean, I never felt that at Vanderbilt. Like I never felt like they wanted me there at all, but um, no, having that, that feeling was a really good feeling for the first time. And they, they welcomed me with open arms and uh, I felt comfortable from the start. You know, it's really hard for robots to show any emotion. And that's what I think of when I think of Tim Corbin, just a very robotic guy, just, just nothing. Like every time you see him, he's just like, he's a little red under the neck because he's getting like hot. Well, do you remember what I told you about in Hoover? Face. 
when he sat right next to us, right amongst the LSU fans, and he had a hoodie on, like nobody knew who he was. <laughs> Trying to hide from folks. I had Jackson go take a picture. I had my I had my eleven year old son go take a picture with him just for fun, so I could. It was really more so so I could just have people say, you know, why did you have your son take a picture with Tim Corbin? Probably the most uncomfortable Tim Tim Corbin had ever felt in his entire life, having to take that picture. But anyhow. Played and started 61 games for the Gamecocks in 2023. You hit 259, 60 runs scored, 10 doubles, 19 dingers, 56 RBIs. Obviously, when you do stuff like that, you're in an environment like Founders Park. Um, we've heard from other players it's electric. So let, let me get your take on Founders Park. You said a little bit about the atmosphere prior to uh, you going to South Carolina. But once you're there, does it does it hit all the right things that you were like man this is why i'm here it's everything i've hoped for and dreamed for really no but they are awesome awesome i can't say enough about them uh they show up pretty much every single night uh you know they're gonna be loud you know they're gonna be on that other pitcher's head top so you you feel good about the fans that that you have behind you how's the food there just curious because i mean we we, we hear you've, nev- you've never asked a guest that question you're you're trying to make a trip over there to columbia i see you i'm not i'm i'm you know inquiring minds want to know no i can definitely i can definitely put you down with some good restaurants there's some there's some really good ones here what about the ballpark how's the ball the ballpark yeah give me just like a hot dog like- just like a basic hot dog is it good or is it just like Okay. You have to be doing something wrong to not have least decent hot dogs. Like, I mean, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure they're pretty good, but like, I'm I'm not a hot dog dude. I will not eat one. Gavin, let me ask you a hot dog question. We're gonna do this, Daniel. Oh God, this is ridiculous. I was down at the Shriners Classic watching my LSU Tigers in Minute Maid Park, and they sell a hot dog sandwich. They cut two hot dogs, split them in half, so it comes across four on toasted bread cheese chili whatever you want anyway make it into a sandwich and so i ask you gavin is a hot dog a sandwich uh, it's either what's the two a sandwich or a sub yeah I don't know the options mm-hmm. no or daniel said well no daniel refuses to say it's a sub. he he says a it's hot a hot dog, dog. It's, it's, its, own own it's its own thing the tennessee girl said it's a taco <laughs> Wow. taco it makes more sense as a sub it's like it's a piece of bread that you cut open it's the same thing as a hoagie but you're just you're putting different a different meat in it so it was it was all regular bread what daniel said discredits it as the sandwiches once they split the hot dogs in half it no longer became relevant yeah when you start butterflying your hot dogs like bro it was good yeah, that's, that's all good. i know i sat there and watched it while i was watching tennessee oklahoma it was best ballpark food ever well, good for they you. They need them in every stadium in America. Good for you. I'm going to get those in Chinook seeds in every stadium. Let's go. I can get down with the Chinook seeds now. All right. So, obviously, Founders Park, electric, um, great atmosphere, great fans, ballpark hot dogs are debatable. We don't know. But favorite regular season series this past season, what was your favorite series? And, and was it, it – it can be at home or it can be away, but what was your favorite series? I mean, if I'm being selfish, it was like the Kentucky one, but we lost. But I'm not even going to go into that. I just had a good weekend. 
but <laughs> I think the most electric series. I was pretty I chippy the weekend. That was a really chippy, and you guys are pretty chippy anyhow, but like that was really. Kentucky is too, though. When they came into Baton Rouge, they got chippy with LSU. Wow. Kentucky's got a lot of receipts coming their way. Just wait. This year, just wait. Oh, they got the potential for sure. Um, so Kentucky, no, but no, that was selfish. Like, he's got to say the team one. <laughs> yeah, no, the <laughs> to get uh, the most electric series was LSU by far. I mean, we it, uh, to talk about ties again. Like we split that series. That was. I, was, I will tell you let's, this. Let's no, get no, no. Ask, I'm ask gonna, I'm gonna say, Daniel. Uh, Daniel, ask I'm him. gonna say. No, ask him first what he thinks. But I know his answer. It's the right answer, too. All right. If you play a game three, who wins? There's only one answer. Right. It's the right answer. I just wanted him to hear it. I got scalded by LSU fans. That was when our pitching was in shambles, and y'all were hitting the way. We got lucky to win game two. And they were talking about, oh, South Carolina's lucky we didn't play a third game. I'm like, hell no, man. Get out of Columbia, dude. Like that y'all were giving it to us. Y'all should have won both games. Or like I said, we didn't have a Sunday guy at the time. I didn't want nothing to do with that. And LSU fans were full of themselves saying, oh, we were the better team. Not even a chance. Nope, not happening. I ha- I think y'all helped sharpen us for the, the long run because we needed that whooping and realized that we weren't who we thought we were at the time. Yeah, y'all got humbled that weekend. Florida got humbled the weekend that South Carolina played them too. So, but you guys, you, you end up inevitably hosting a regional. You have one of the best offensive teams in the country in Campbell that came in, uh, but you guys show you're the offensive juggernaut. You put up 19 against central Connecticut state. Uh, you had a monster day and then six against North Carolina state and 16 against Campbell. You went three and oh at, at home during that regional. Um, how much fun was that? Just being able to host that, that, in and of itself, the hosting thing became like this topic of conversation all over the place, which, I mean, we don't have to get into. You guys, in my in my eyes, earned it um, despite injuries and, and the way the, the back half of the, the conference season rolled through. But even still, when you get to regionals, you do something like that. Like, how much fun was that? It was awesome, really. It was almost like a, a sense of validity. Uh, we had been struggling for not struggling, but I mean, we were we were down for a little bit. Um, but no, that was definitely a boost up. Um, we were feeling good going into that super. Um, we felt like we really clicked as an offense and that we were figuring it out on the pitching side. And we we felt confident going into that Florida series. Can I tell you, can I tell you something, Daniel, that I didn't have on my notes that I got to tell Gavin almost forgot up. Do you remember my parlay? Um that I only, you know, I always, Gavin, a lot of times my parlays, it drives me nuts. I'll put an eight or ten leg parlay and I'll always just lose one. Daniel can attest because he throws in money with me and goes halves. Now, you do remember that that Saturday who was the only team that lost and, and broke my eight leg parlay. It was y'all against Florida. And I got told I was crazy for picking y'all against Florida. I said, I'll never pick Florida. Give me South Carolina all day. And it backfired on me. I have no regrets, though. I have no regrets. I won't pick Florida still. I quote Jim, Florida. <laughs> that that is his exact words. So, and if if you haven't heard it, it's all over Twitter. It's out. It's out there. It definitely is. It's but, not true. It's not true. That, that's one hundred percent true. No that lies. Video, that video was 
somehow created and made. It's all AI. I mean, anyhow, we we we'll talk that off air. But so ultimately, you you lose, and and the biggest off season question then becomes, you know, you. What are you going to do? Um, you know, there there was a SI article that was published called power at the plate, which is why we titled this episode that, and they said that, you know, because they have Cole Messina and Ethan Petri, it was okay if they lost you. And it, it had nothing to do with like you, but they were just saying like a guy of your caliber, you know, should you choose to leave? Like South Carolina was still going to be okay um, in the lineup. So I ask you what, what was it that, you know, made you decide I'm going to come back and run it back. I'm going to do it again. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I actually had a, I spoke to someone about this earlier. Um, but yeah, I think it, what it ultimately boils down to for me is uh, that I'm really happy here. Um, my time at Vanderbilt was a really dark place in my life. And to like come to Columbia and like almost get this breath of fresh air and like really enjoy playing baseball again and love being on the field and see the beauty in this game and want to get better and train and be healthy. Um, yeah, that that's it. I mean, you are a big part of that because like coming, you know, mentioning those two guys, Daniel, how many times did we talk on the show? You talked about, you know, you'd listen to some some episodes, you know, you'd have to go back into the archives and find them. But Daniel, on a week-to-week basis, said you were the X Factor for South Carolina. Um, he, he would say that. He'd be like, you know, everybody talks about Ethan. He's like, but it's going to come down to what Gavin does. And he, he was a firm believer in that. And that's why I say coming into this upcoming season, you know, they mentioned those two guys, but I think they – undoubtedly need you in that trio in the heart of the lineup and need you to protect Ethan. And I think it's a, it's a big deal. I think you're the X factor again, coming into this season. I mean, Gavin's going to get, Gavin's going to get his money's worth at the plate. That's for sure. He ain't going to get cheated. And like Ethan might go out there and hit two home runs in a game, but they're going to be solo shots. My boy Gavin going to hit three doubles and six RBIs and like have just a day. And then he might put one over the fence too, just 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 for icing on the cake, man. But I mean, you got power. I mean, you you had you know double digit home runs, you know, this past season. You guys are, in my eyes, like still one of the teams to beat. Like you got a lot coming back as far as in the batting order. But you know, the pitching part is is something I wanted to ask you. Um, losing guys. Um, obviously big time arms. What do you got in store, you know, through the fall? Like who were some, some names to look, look forward to for the upcoming season? I don't want to give too much away, but uh, no, we have a, we have a good staff. Um, We got guys returning like Eli Jones and Matthew Becker. Um, We got Dylan Eskew back. Um, We got Roman Kimball coming back. Um, we got Ricky Williams coming back. We got a bunch of new freshman pitchers. Um, but yeah, that's, I'm really excited for what we got. What I'm curious about is, did you have any kind of talks with Parker Nolan 
and have any, you know, kind of sway in getting him to come? Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, it was funny because because the top seeds in the SEC get like to stay in this one hotel and then like the bottom, I think three stay in a different hotel. So I guess we were like the top eight. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I saw Parker like up an elevator and I, we were with Monty, actually, our hitting coach. And me and Parker roomed together at Vanderbilt. So, I mean, we're we're really close and we were just catching up in the elevator. I was like, hey, Monty, like Parker's coming to the South Carolina, like he's transferring and like saying that as a complete joke, but, you know, kind of, um, kind of like, what's it called? Uh, manifesting it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, that was, that was kind of where it got introduced. And then after the transfer portal opened and I, the draft was coming up and uh, it was about the time where I was about to close and I called Parker and I was like, yo, like, what are you doing next year? <laughs> and <laughs> I think he was like, Gavin, you'll never believe it. But coach Corbin sat me down and was telling me some crazy stuff, man. I gotta get out of here. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, uh, no, I just, I called him. I asked him if he was interested. Uh, I thought it was going to be a great place for him. Um, I know what South Carolina did to me, and I think that it'll do the same for him. And, you know, he ultimately decided to come here and we're, we're happy to have him. Yeah, no, we had a, we had a baseball Twitter space earlier with a a lot of people who are, um, heavy, heavy into college baseball right before this episode. And you got brought up by Chris Moya, two-time national champion from LSU. He brought up how big of a land that he thought you know, Parker coming to South Carolina was the question we had discussing is, you know, he's a guy who can move all over the infield. Um, as far as in ball ball, where's he been playing mostly? He's been mostly at second base. Uh, uh, he played second base for us in the world series, actually. I don't know if you guys remember that or not, or mm-hmm. he actually played like the whole back half of the season and he was one of our best infielders. Um, but yeah, yeah no, one of the things I, I've I, noticed, he's been a good utility guy because he's been able to kind of play yeah. wherever been he's asked. Yeah, he's a, no, no, he's a gamer. Uh, third base, wherever third they base, tell, him, wherever they tell him to play, he's gonna be like, "All right, I got you." Gavin's like, "I'm staying at first. I'm not going anywhere." No, actually, they got me at third this fall. Oh, do they? So who's over on first? Uh, we got they're both Tyler's, Tyler Causey and Tyler Zadex. Yeah, North Carolina transfer and freshman. All right. Any 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 hot takes that you want to give us about where you're going to be playing this spring? Game one. No, I mean, where where look, do you think you're going to be <laughs> in, uh, the, in the lineup? And he's like, he, he's like, I'll be don't, get, don't get me in trouble. I'm kidding. No, I go out there. I compete. I compete every single day. I try to get better at whatever I do. And if their base is that, then I'm going to try to be the best at it. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, I know that I can play a little bit of first base. Um, third base is obviously an experiment right now. I don't know. It, I feel like it's going pretty well. Um, but ultimately, I'm doing whatever helps the team the most, um, whether that be play first or play third or play outfield. I don't really care. Um yes. What's the hardest thing? What's the hardest thing you've you've had to learn at third base? I feel like it's it's very similar to first. I just have to find ways to organize my body in order to get myself in a position to throw to first base. 
yeah it's it's uh yeah it's it's awkward having everything's turning inside but it's like the different a different direction so like yeah, yeah i can see that for sure um well gavin man jim's gonna play a little game with you but before he does that i just want to tell you man it's been a, a blast watching you and the gamecocks this past season it's been awesome i very thankful that i chose to jump on the bandwagon of the gamecocks and i'm very thankful that you decided to come back because i get to watch you play some more man so i'm looking forward to you guys getting to omaha that's that is my expectation for you so i, I don't want to raise the bar too high for you just omaha no big deal you know start there and then that's you'll it. say national championship yeah that's yeah it. well i mean it's it's a gauntlet like it is every year um you know, that's one of the things we're talking about in the space you know the SEC as a whole over there at the top of the East with you guys, Tennessee, Florida, Georgia is going to be improved. West Johnson, um, so another another year of the SEC grind. It, it never gets easy for anybody, and so that's why we love it so much. But the game is called this or that. It's brought to you by Chinook Seedery. Have you ever had Chinook seats? I have. Um, I've had them from friends, but they I've never gotten like the package sent to me. All right, what's your favorite flavor that you've gotten from your friends? Uh, is there one that's like cracked pepper? Uh, Parmesan pepper. There's Parmesan pepper and lemon pepper. Did it have a baseball a player on the front? I'm not sure. I think it was like the, I don't know, the little seed thing. I'm not yeah, a then, seed then it, then it was Then it was Parmesan pepper. The reason I asked is uh, – only lemon pepper has someone on the front, so it would stand out. It's got Bobby Wood Jr. on there. So, yeah, Parmesan pepper is the most popular seed that they have. Um, but for those who don't know and listen and watching the show, they're obviously an official sponsor of the show. Eight flavors from Mild to Wild. I like how Gavin said he hadn't got a box yet. He's plugging. He's watched the show before. He knows we'll get him a box, Daniel. That's what he just did. He's going to have eight flavors. We're going to see what he likes. I personally like the Cinnamon Toast Crunch because I'm a kid, but Gavin, do you want to hear a funny story about these seats? No, I'm not doing it again. I swear I'll hit stop record. You can't tell this every show. It's funny. I mean, no, it's not. I sent them a box. It only had original because I gave them all out in Starkville. And nah, see, see and if you're going to tell your narrative of the story, you got to tell it. The it right only had original. I said it was sending him a box of seeds. It only had original. Three bags of original. He was unhappy about it because he was supposed to get all the flavors. I gave them away in Starkville. I'm sorry. They fed me really good, Daniel. Moving on. This, this, but this was this was eight days of him plugging and promoting to me all the flavors and how awesome the flavors were and how he was sending me these flavors. So I'm expecting a variety box. I'm not I'm not expecting every flavor, but I open the box, I reach my hand in, boom, it's original. I'm like, great, the foundation seed. I love a nice original seed. Reach in, boom, second bag, original. Reach in for a third bag, the last bag, original. And I was like, this dude sent me all original. Bro, what did you just get last week? Did you? Did I, I not make up for it? Did, did I not have them send you a box with all flavors and the brand new hat and the brand new shirt? Stop it. You you did. You did. And I appreciate that. But I, I just think it's important to note how this story went down. I'm fixing it because Gavin's your boy in South Carolina is your team. I'm fixing to not get him sent anything on because of you. How about that? Right. I, I will. Can I play my game? Can I play my game? Your game? Oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's usually your game, but it's mine tonight because I let you talk South Carolina. Normally, I, Gavin, I talk the college. Anyway, so 
two options. You choose one or the other. You can't say neither, can't say both. You down to play. Yeah, let's do it. All right. First one, PlayStation or Xbox? PlayStation. You got a favorite game? I don't play video games. Man, these look. The reason we started doing that is because a lot of these baseball players tell us that that's what they do in their off time because you play, you spend so much time playing baseball or doing academics. It's like the one getaway. Like Dolander was talking about it last week. Um, he said Call of Duty's his thing. Like when he's like finally, you know, done doing baseball and he's still doing it now in the minors, he said Call of Duty. He's just sniping folks. No. No, my uh, my outlet is cooking. Ah, cooking. That's interesting. Next question is about cooking. Are you a breakfast for breakfast guy, or do you like breakfast for dinner? I'm not a huge breakfast guy. Um, I don't know what it is. I literally just eat, like, a bagel. That's it. Man, he doesn't play video games or eat breakfast. You're put losing me. On a bagel? Do you put cream cheese? Like, do you put something? You gotta put something on a bagel, right? Yeah, so it's it's called it's called the better bagel. And it's like supposedly it's like has 25 grams of protein and like I don't know, four four grams of carbs, and then uh with like this fake cream cheese type thing, it's like a probiotic thing. I don't know, but it's supposed to be good for you and who, who makes we, this this better bagel? Whole Foods. I shop I at mean, Whole Foods. He, I mean, he 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 brought me back around, Daniel. I like the twenty five grams of protein, um, with with the less fat and carbs. So you know, he won me back over with that answer. Do you at least like you know this is something I normally ask, but now I gotta get like you don't do breakfast. Do you at least like like cereal? You got to. You're un American if you don't. Cereal. I love cereal, but I don't really buy cereal. Mm. Well, they should be yeah, in I, South Carolina. They should have a whole cereal array for you guys. I love no, cereal, they, they get it right in the nutrition. Room. Yeah, I I love giant bowls of cereal, and I can't like, I can literally eat one box of cereal in like two servings. Mm-hmm. That's how I'll, much I like cereal. I'll tell I, you this, Gavin. Buy it for that reason. If you get into a slump, though, we have you're gonna have to eat breakfast. The ultimate slump buster. You know, Trey Richardson from TCU came on and talked about the reason he hit three home runs against Arkansas in Fayetteville was because he had two plates of IHOP before the game. So if you get in a slump, I, I know you're not breakfast guy. Like yeah. yeah, so get I might, you. I'll try everything. I don't whatever it is. Go into IHOP, get you a little short stack, and be like, all right, I'm good to go. Whatever it is, I'll do it. There you go. All right. So if you were left on an island, stranded there. And your only options were to be with your worst enemy or all by yourself. What are you taking? I'm comfortable being by myself. I live by myself now, so it's fine. I'm so glad you said the answer, Daniel. We now have three people who admitted to saying they would eat their worst enemy, and it's just getting a little weird. The question's almost going to have to be taken off, bro. Cannibals everywhere. I'm learning too much about people. Well, season eight's coming to a close, you know, in about a month. So maybe that'll be the time to retire the question. Yeah. Well, we always retire this or that question. That one's definitely going into the to the ocean, to the abyss, and never coming back. I'll put this one on there for fun, Daniel. I'm actually asking him a question about why are you asking him about Tommy White and Blake Burke? Because I want to. Because you ask him about a, Cole no, Messina and no, because. I don't want to put him to have to choose between his teammates. That's why I went this way. 
Let me do my questions. Who hits better bombs, Tommy White or Blake Burke? Better bombs. So yeah. we're not talking about like who's better. We're just strictly saying right, like, yeah, we're bomb. Like that tells me he Burke. that tells me he's gonna say Burke. Yeah, four hundred seventy nine feet off the church in Hattiesburg. I mean, bombs. Blake Blake Burke ain't ain't, ain't hit a bomb. It's also though. a bias. It's also a bias answer. Uh well, the way he the way he swings it is, and they do that they mirror it. I know you've seen it beside King Griffey's. And the and the dropping of the bat that just looks beautiful. Now, to Tommy's credit, he had uh, his biggest bomb in Omaha when it mattered most, so um, he does have that for him. But I do I do like the uh, the Burke bombs. There's, there's no wrong answer in that question, but I just wanted to ask you about two guys you go against. But since Daniel wanted it, so if I said Petrie against you, who are we going with? You said who? Ethan Petrie against you. Who's better or like who's who got better, better bombs? Oh, me. I <laughs> see he lied to his Daniel. I mean, and... that's true. No, Ethan will hit a bomb and he's like uh, around the bases. Gavin's gonna hit a bomb and he's gonna be oh, like, I'm telling you, out the right field. I'm telling Ethan that both y'all in here lying on him. I mean, I, it has nothing to do with Ethan. I think well, it's the, a thing, guy. the thing it's is, is like. Yeah, no, Ethan, Ethan, obviously, like, outstanding. Like, he had a crazy year last year. Like, I, I mean, I'm with him on a daily basis, and it's impressive to see what he does, like, even in batting practice. Um, but, no, he he works his tail off, and, uh, you know, he's getting his, his results. So, all kudos to him. But, yeah, no, I think I, I enjoy mine a little more. My My favorite story about Ethan is in Hoover. So all these South Carolina fans are lined up to get an autograph and see him. And there you had me and my son in purple wearing LSU gear. And he bypasses all the South Carolina fans. And then like, he actually walks by us and then it like, you could tell it caught the corner of his eye. And then he came over, he's turned around and stopped, came over, um, signed my son's autograph book and took a picture and then went back in. And all these fans are sitting there looking so confused or whatever. And then he messages me as soon as he gets on the bus and says, yeah, he's like, my bad. He's like, uh, I didn't see you at first. And then he goes, I realized you'd be the only LSU fans waiting at the gate for my autograph. And then I knew it was you and then turned back around. But the South Carolina fans were so confused. And he knew I was waiting just there for him. So he made a trip back around. So I appreciate it. But it was funny. The South Carolina fans were giving me the evil eye. Yeah, it's a shame you didn't get mine. I didn't know you then. I didn't know you then. I'm I'm getting it this time. Don't worry about it. Guest collections. Or or will you? That's a that's a mighty big assumption that you're making. He better. Gavin is the one who actually has to put his name down. If he doesn't sign an 11 year old's autograph book that says South Carolina and has all these signatures, Gavin, I'd give you a hundred (laughs) dollars to just big league the shit out of them. Just, just big, uh, just walk right on. Anyways, moving on. Would you rather own a massive yacht or a private jet? Yeah. Wrong answer, but it's okay. No, I'm just kidding. Man, All right, I'm going anywhere. Anyway, last question. You you've studied this. You've heard the show, so that means I'm changing it around. Changing it. I'm changing it. All right. If I was to walk into your room right now and I had 
10 million. So I'm flexing it from 1 million to 10 million. If I brought you $10 million cash and I said, you can have that or the national championship, what are you taking? See, that's, that's messed up. Yeah, I did that. That's because you studied this and you assumed that you would take the national championship over a million. So now I'm upping it times 10. And don't mm-hmm. lie, you know, okay. and don't even lie to us, Gavin, and say national championship because ten million dollars mm-hmm. ain't nobody passing that up. Whether you make it ten or one, the answer is still the same, brother. Yeah, but these these guys make it easy and say national championship when it's one. You put it to ten, it changes the whole game. All right, ten ten million. You know what? I I'm gonna go national championship because I think you know um, experiences are way more valuable than money. And I feel like a lot of people when they get older and they're, they said they were money hungry, they end up being very unhappy because they were focused on getting money instead of enjoying the experiences that they have. So I will go national championship and remember that forever. So I'm going to go deeper with you than I have any guests we've ever had. I'm not going to expose any names. Um, that is not what I'm going to do. But I'm going to tell you, there's an LSU player who was very monumental in their national championship run, who is now working the nine to five grind and doesn't have any money. And he may have those memories, but he's not having any fun right now on a day-to-day basis. So I'm just telling you $10 million would have kept him from working that same job. So just keep that in mind. But you know what? Ain't nothing wrong with the memories. Uh, Obviously I joke. Um, I can only imagine what it'd be like in Omaha um, to be able to be a part of that dog pile. So I'm not going to continue to mess around. I know uh, that I would take that. It's just easy for us guys at our age. Uh, my kids and wife cost a lot of money. So um, like Daniel says, he sell his ring for a hundred thousand. So would I, but with that, you're off the Thank hot you. seat. <laughs> off that with that, you're off the hot seat. Is there anything you want to plug or promote? Do you have any merch? You got any, anything that we can, we can find. Uh, you can find my social medias. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're all at Gavin underscore Casas. Um, that's pretty much it. And then, of course, Gamecock Baseball on IG. Gavin, dude, it's been awesome. We wish you, first and foremost, a healthy season, a happy season, a fun season, and a successful season, hopefully uh a memorable season nonetheless with a special, you know, special ending for you guys. I know that's the the goal. That's probably the expectation that's been set forth. And, you know, coming off a season like last year, there's no reason why you can't replicate it again. And I don't got to root against them. They uh they don't come to Baton Rouge and we don't go to them. So I can root for them to win no, on a week-to-week basis. I mean, they y'all y'all hell that you really scared. No, they. Chris talked about that earlier. Even without playing South Carolina, they have the hardest schedule in the SEC. We don't need South Carolina to make things worse. We're good where we're at. I mean, it. You could take you could take SEC team and remove one team and input another, and everyone's everyone's beating up on everybody. It's not easy. Oh, oh, no doubt. But I mean, based upon the expectations we have for South Carolina, I'm saying I wouldn't trade. You know, we talked about Kentucky, for instance, right? I, I would. I'm glad Kentucky's on the schedule as opposed to South Carolina. That's my point. Bet you are. Bet you are. <laughs> All right, Gavin, man, we're gonna let you bounce, man. I appreciate it. If you like hearing Gavin's story, or you just like hearing us average Joe's talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. 
Retweet us on Twix. That's X or Twitter, a combination between the two, whichever you want to call it. And some people calling it X, they're buying into the new thing. Some people are still calling it Twitter. Whatever you want to call it, it's fine by me. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, feedback, thumbs up, hearts, hugs, love. We'll take it all. We'll see everybody next week. We got episode 32 coming at you. We're going to be talking Oral Roberts baseball with Kyle Booker. This has been the End Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, bring grind all the time. We're out.